0: Let's turn over to Numbers chapter 22. I'm going to continue to talk about how to receive God's best. I started this Thursday night, and I spent a lot of time just trying to say that most Christians aren't even shooting for God's best. They settle for second best. I specifically dealt in the area of finances and healing uh, to discuss this. And then on Friday morning, I talked about two different ways that God has of meeting our needs, whether it's physically, emotionally, financially, um, healing-wise, or whatever. And that's a miracle and a blessing. Most Christians gravitate towards miracles, but I showed three contrasts between blessings and miracles. Miracles have to have a crisis before you have one, so if you live from miracle to miracle, you're going to live from crisis to crisis. Miracles are also temporary, And miracles are not as abundant as a blessing. If you've missed any of this, you really need to get that teaching. Because this is something that most people aren't aware of. And they just think, well, I'm just believing God. doesn't matter how it comes. It does. Because if you operate in a miracle, that is a superseding or a suspension of natural laws. God is not prone to do that. Because He created natural and spiritual laws. And He wants you to operate within them. But because of His love for us, He can meet your needs supernaturally and suspend natural or physical, spiritual laws. But He's not prone to do it. You, are, you can't count on miracles the way that you can count on a blessing of God. Amen. And so uh, it's important that you get this mindset. But if you start operating in the blessings, you're going to have to cooperate with natural laws. For instance, if you plant a crop Uh, You can't just plant it when you want to. There is a time in the natural. God established a seed time and a harvest time. And you have to find out what they are and cooperate with those natural laws. And God can bless your crops and you can get an abundant harvest. I gave a testimony about my mother's pecan crop that went from about 50 pounds to 600 pounds because I spoke over it and blessed it. And so you can see a supernatural blessing, but there's laws that you have to cooperate with. You can't just ignore these natural and spiritual laws. So in a sense, it takes more effort to get to flowing in the blessing of God than it does in a miracle. But the blessing is more abundant and it's eternal and it is much better. You can control the blessings of God. Then last night, basically, I was sharing that a blessing isn't a thing. It's not your assets. Those are results of a blessing. The blessing, and you need to make sure that you keep focused on this and not the things that the blessing of God produces. And you have to focus on that the blessing is the favor of God spoken over you. That is the blessing of God. God's divine favor spoken over you. And I showed a lot of things about how death and life are in the power of our tongue. And that's not only true of us, but that's especially true of God. He created everything by speaking words of life. And He never violates His words. Psalms chapter 89 verse 34 says, My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that has gone forth out of my lips. God never changes His word. He upholds all things by the word of His power. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 And if God was to ever break His Word, the universe would self-destruct. So when God says something, it's a contract. And when God blesses you and said that you are healed by His stripes, no plague will come nigh your dwelling, that I will make whatever you set your hand unto to prosper. Man, the life of God is in those words. A blessing is powerful. I also showed in Genesis chapter 27, how Jacob and Esau fought with each other to try and obtain their father's blessing because it was the blessing of God that made Abraham rich. Matter of fact, when Abraham died, kings came out. Abimelech, the king of Gerar, came out and told Isaac, says, you are now the blessed of the Lord. We want to make a covenant with you, a contract with you that you won't do us any damage. Pagan kings, people that didn't believe in the God of Israel, saw the blessing of God upon Abraham, and they knew that it had passed on to Isaac, and they came out and said, you are the blessed of the Lord. You know the scripture, one of the promises in Deuteronomy 28, all men of the earth shall see that you are blessed. We are supposed to be so blessed that, man, people look at us and think, how come things work the way they do for you? You know, this isn't the experience of most Christians. And it's because in our Western culture, we don't think of blessings. Blessings, words, aren't important. We violate what we say all of the time. And because of it, we don't have faith in our words. We don't have faith in God's words because that's not the way we think. But the way we think is wrong. God never alters His words. And if we could understand the power of a blessing... And begin to start speaking it over ourselves, And quit cursing ourselves, But instead speak the blessing. I guarantee you your life would turn around. Instead of speaking what your bank uh, deposit says. What the banker says. Instead of speaking what the doctor said. Instead of speaking what your body feels. Instead of speaking what you think. You ought to go to speaking the word of God. And death and life are in the power of the tongue. And you could literally turn your situation around by speaking words. You know, I heard Keith Moore give this testimony about a man in his church who wanted to quit smoking and he had tried everything and he couldn't do it. And uh, anyway, Keith Moore, it's probably more detailed than this, but the part I heard, he just told this guy, he says, well, keep smoking. And every time you smoke, say, I hate smoking. And the guy said, but I don't hate smoking. And he says, just say it. Just start saying, I hate smoking. And the guy said, well, I can do that. So every time he'd light up a cigarette, he'd say, I hate smoking. And then he'd smoke. And he did this for three or four weeks. And one day he took out a cigarette and just out of habit, he says, before he lit it, he says, I hate smoking. And he looked at that cigarette and he says, you know, I really do hate smoking. (laughs) And he put the cigarette down and he never smoked another time. You know what? There's death and life in the power of your tongue. Some of you need to go to saying, I hate that dessert. <laughs> you know, Pastor Bobby Ray right here, stand up, Pastor Bobby. He's a pastor in Dallas, North Carolina. How much weight have you lost? A little over 100 pounds. A little over 100 pounds. And you know how he did it? He started using his tongue. And instead of saying, I love all of these sweets and I love all this stuff, he started saying, I hate this and I love vegetables. <laughs> Isn't that what you did? And he's written a book on it. I don't know if you have the book with you. Do you have it? It's out there with the ambassadors to the nations. And you can, And he started saying, I hate this and I love this. And he changed his desires by his words and has lost over a hundred pounds. He was a big boy. Huge. I tell you what, words. You had a size 50 waist. Wow. You're half the man you used to be. (laughs) And that's awesome. There's power in our words. And yet most people don't understand this. There's especially power in God's words. And if you could turn to the word of God and find the blessings that God has spoken over you and and take this mindset that I've been talking about and begin to speak them and learn that there's things you have to do. Like for instance, in the financial realm, there are spiritual laws just as there are physical laws that you can't plant your crop when you want to. You got to plant it when it's time to plant it. And then there is a seed time and harvest more. It's more like seed and then time and then harvest. Amen. And you can't. You know, people wait and they say, I'm, I'm facing eviction. And so here's a hundred dollars. I'm believing God for a hundred fold return, $10,000 off of this. But the Bible preaches that there's seed time and then harvest. And you aren't going to reap your hundred fold return off of that gift by Monday morning. If you get your miracle breakthrough by Monday morning, you got a miracle, not a blessing. To operate in the blessing, you've got to observe spiritual laws. And one of them is seed, time, and harvest. In due season, you will reap if you faint not. It takes time. You know, Jamie and I at one time were believing for a greyhound bus to to, uh, fix up as a house and travel in. Because we had a traveling ministry. And we were believing God for a greyhound bus. Praise God that one didn't come to pass. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. But we gave $100 in faith for that on a Friday night on Monday morning. I went to the mailbox expecting a $10,000 check. And you know what? It didn't come. Some people think, well, it didn't come through. No, it's come through. You know, right now, I've got, we've got to have nearly $2 million a month to pay our bills and you know what? That $100 that we gave back in about 1973 is still producing. And I have given away millions. I've given away over 10 million tapes, CDs, and books. And each one of those is valued. I don't know. If you average them out, maybe close to $10, $5, $10 a piece. I've given away at probably over 10, 20 million. What would that be? $100 million. I've got seed planted in the ground. That I've given to people, and it's just coming back to me. But it doesn't like, it's not like you plant it Friday and it comes back on Monday. I'm still receiving benefits from what I did 30, 40 years ago. It works. But there are laws that you have to observe. So many of you are praying and saying, Oh, God, please meet my need, but you hadn't been sowing. You haven't sown in an appropriate time. Maybe you gave this weekend, expecting on Monday to see a miracle. That's not the way it works. If you are going to see the blessing of God begin to work in your life, you're going to have to get to where you cooperate with spiritual and natural laws. You're going to have to work. God said he would bless what you set your hand unto. If you've set your hand to nothing, a hundred times zero is zero. And there are some of you praying for increase and you aren't doing anything for God to bless. You got to do something. It's a spiritual law. If you don't work, don't eat. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, it's around verse 11. Jamie and I had a woman in one of our Bible studies in Lamar, Colorado who struggled financially. Her husband worked a job at the Dairy Queen. I think he was a manager of the Dairy Queen. And, but they had three or four children and they just always struggled. And Jamie and I had to give her money many times for grocery money. And she just struggled, struggled, struggled. But she started sitting under the word. She started learning these exact things that we're talking about. And this woman began to start saying, I am blessed. God is providing my needs. God is giving me creative ideas. And she prayed and asked God for wisdom about what to do. And one day she was making clay. She was cooking this clay because she didn't like the clay that she bought because it was toxic And it would stick to things and get in the carpet and stuff. And she had come up with a formula to make clay that wouldn't stick to anything but the clay. And it wasn't toxic. The kids could eat it if they wanted to. So she was making this clay for her kids. And she was praying in tongues and saying, Father, I believe I'm blessed. You're giving me creative ideas. And she was asking God for a miracle. And as she was cooking this clay, the Lord spoke to her and says, take this clay and put it in five different colors, make little rolls out of it, and put it in a Ziploc bag and take it to these uh, craft fairs and start selling it. Anyway, it's a long story, but she started doing it. Within just a couple of years, she employed over 83 people. She wound up selling that business for multiple millions of dollars. The woman became a millionaire by just asking God to give her a creative idea. There's not a person in here that couldn't do that. But the problem is most of, oh, God, please help me to win the lottery. God's not going to bless you and help you to win the lottery. The lottery is an ungodly system. If I had time, I could teach you on that. But God will never, ever help you win the lottery. Never. It is ungodly. It's against the word of God. The word says wealth gotten by vanity is ungodly. It takes away the life of the owners thereof. God will never, ever, ever fix the lottery for anybody. He's not going to help you to just get something for nothing. That is against the spiritual laws established in the word of God. And yet, there's people that are just praying and asking God to bless them, and you aren't doing anything. You aren't coming up with any creative ideas. You got to start learning what the spiritual laws are and cooperate with them. And any person, any person, you know, in the Greek, that means any person can prosper. Any person can prosper. Somebody's like, but I don't have any skills. See, you've, you've been cursed. And you've been told that you are a nothing and that you can't prosper. And you have put faith in that curse. And that's the reason that you aren't prospering. If you saw that, man, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Anything I set my hand unto is blessed. If you renewed yourself, any person in here could prosper. But you're going to have to start doing something. You're going to have to start encouraging yourself. You're going to have to start speaking a blessing over you instead of speaking a curse. Thank you for both of those amens. And people don't like what I'm saying because it takes away all of your excuses. But you don't understand, if they'd they'd put in more people that would give me money, if they'd just give me more money, if they'd increase my social security, man. You know, God loves us, it doesn't matter where we are, but if you're depending upon social security, you aren't using much faith. I'm not against social security, if you paid into it, I guess you ought to get out of it what you paid into it. But man, can't you believe for something more than social security? I have people all the time write me and say, I'm on social security, I can't give. And I think, man, you hadn't been in the word of God. God can prosper you. There is nothing holding you back but your own belief system. That's good preaching. What I want to do this morning is share with you about Balaam. And I want to share, this whole thing about Balaam, The children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt. They had been in the wilderness for 40 years and now they were getting ready to enter into the promised land. And Balak, the king of Moab, saw the Israelites coming and he knew that he was outnumbered, he was outgunned, and he needed something special to happen. So he sent to Balaam, a prophet of God, and asked Balaam to come curse the Israelites And that would give him an advantage. You know, before we even get into this story, just think about this. Most of us, if you had somebody coming out against you, how many of you would go and call somebody up and say, would you please bless me and curse these people so that I could win over them? See, again, we don't think that way. Most of us just don't put much stock in words. It wouldn't matter if somebody blessed you and cursed the other person you know you just don't believe that those kind of things have any power that shows how far we are removed from the bible and the correct attitude you know words are powerful death and life are in the power of the tongue and back at this time this man realized that if I could get this man of God to speak a curse over the Israelites that that would turn the tide and he could defeat them in battle Words are powerful. If that's not the opinion that you have, then your opinion's wrong. (laughs) Amen. Amen. We need to change. We need to start recognizing words are powerful. When people curse you, that's powerful. When people bless you, it's powerful. You know, I don't know the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the entomology or the background of the word when people sneeze or something and you say, bless you. I don't really know how that got started, but it makes sense to me that somebody somewhere understood the power of a blessing. And when you sneeze or do something like that, people say, bless you to counteract that so that you aren't getting a cold. Somewhere, somebody understood these things. That's a good deal. Say, bless you. Amen, I receive that. I am blessed. But Balak wanted to hire Balaam To come curse the children of Israel. And of course, this is the story where God opened up Balaam's donkey's mouth and the donkey started talking to Balaam. Most people have heard this story, but they don't understand the significance of it. But it all started because Balaam was a man that whatever he said came to pass. He had a reputation of it. Wouldn't it be awesome? if people came to you and said, man, I know that if you say something, it's going to come to pass. Would you please speak that this business deal is going to work? Would you bless our business deal? You know, that's not abnormal. That's the way it should be. It ought to be that the place where you work, they know that what you say comes to pass. And if you say it, it's going to happen. Wouldn't that be great if every Christian... If the hundreds of people that are in this meeting just understood this one little point and you got hold of it and began to operate in this so that every time your business wanted to do something, they said, would you please pray and bless this decision? Would you bless this business? And what we have is a million times stronger than what Balaam had. The only difference is Balaam believed his words would come to pass. We don't believe this. We aren't using what we've got. Brothers and sisters, we need to change. We need to get to where we believe that our words are going to work. When you say something to somebody, when you say you are healed in Jesus' name, it ought to count. Amen? Amen. Boy, that's powerful. Balaam was a man that had this reputation. And so here is the story in the 22nd chapter. And Balak sent messengers unto Balaam. And in verse... Six, it says, Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure, I shall prevail, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I want that he whom thou blessed is blessed, and he whom thou cursed is cursed. Wow. What a great, what a great testimony about a person. Balaam was a man that when he said something, it came to pass, and he had a reputation. And a man was willing to stake the future of his country, his nation, on this guy's reputation. That's amazing. And so the elders of Moab came and they asked Balaam. And uh, in verse 8, he said unto them, Balaam said unto them, Lodge here this night and I will bring you word again as the Lord shall speak unto me. And the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. And God came unto Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balaam, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. You know why? Why didn't God just say, Well, do whatever you want to. It doesn't matter. No, it didn't matter. God says, don't you curse this people. They are blessed. Don't you dare speak a curse against them. So Balaam rose up. Uh, Let's see, where am am I? In verse 13, And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you unto your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went unto Balak and, and, and said, Balaam refuseth to come with us. Did you know Balaam didn't do anything wrong here? This was very godly. Balaam was in communion with God. He talked to God and God talked to him. Balaam was a godly man. Balaam loved God and he got his power. He knew that he couldn't say anything and overturn what God said. He could only bless if it was what God had already said. All he was doing was voice activating the blessing that God already had. And he just found out what God's will was and began to speak it. That's all he was doing. Blessed people is you can't bless somebody who God hadn't blessed. You can't can't override God. If God hasn't blessed that thing, some of you are trying to do things that aren't in God's will and you're asking God to bless your deal. That's not the way to live your life. I never ask God to bless me. I never ask God to bless what I'm doing. I never pray for these meetings and ask God to bless the meetings. I can't believe you didn't do that. I'm doing what God told me to do. And if you do what God tells you to do, God would be unjust to tell you to do something and not give you the anointing and the power to get it done. If God says, come to Peter on the water, Matthew chapter 14, he didn't have to say anything else. In that one word, come, was enough power to walk on top of the water. If God tells you to do something, there's an anointing already on it. You don't have to ask God to bless you and to anoint you. He's already anointed you. Anything that he tells you to do, there is a supernatural ability to be able to do it. So instead of asking God to bless your thing, quit doing your thing, find out what God's thing is, do what he tells you, and you'll never have to ask him to bless you. You're already blessed. You're doing what he told you to do. And there's a supernatural anointing on it. Balaam understood this. And so he wouldn't do something if God didn't give him freedom to do it. So in the next verse it says, And Balak sent yet again princes more and more honorable than they. And they came unto Balaam and said unto him, Thus saith Balak, son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me, for I will promote thee unto very great honor And I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Up until this point, Balaam is perfect. Man, you couldn't ask for a better response. But the scripture does say, I think it's in the book of James, but in the New Testament, talking about Balaam, it says he loved the rewards of divination. Yeah. He was moved by this offer. Yeah. He wanted the money that came with it. He loved it, but he still said the right thing. And then he said in verse 19, Now therefore I pray you, Terry, you also here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. This is where he made his first mistake. Yeah. Once you find out what God has said, God's not ever going to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He made a mistake in trying to coerce God and go back and see if now God would change. So this is his first mistake is even considering something. You can't be tempted with something that you don't think, something that you don't consider. He should have just stuck with the original word of God, end of decision, and Balaam would have been a godly man who hadn't made these mistakes. But in verse 20 it says, And God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, thou shalt do. So what God was going to do, since Balaam had been okay up to this point, God was going to let Balaam go. But instead of Balaam cursing the Israelites, he was going to have them speak a blessing over them. So God was going to turn this cursing into a blessing. God gave him freedom to go, but he made sure you speak only what I've told you to do. And notice it says, if the man rise up in the morning and call you, then go with him." Look at the next verse. And Balaam rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. He didn't wait on them to call him. He didn't wait on anything. He said, man, there is a crack in the dam. God is changing his opinion. The door is opened a little bit and he just pushed it open and thought, God's gonna let me go curse these people. And he started off and his heart was wrong. And so the story is that the angel of the Lord appeared three times and nearly killed Balaam. But Balaam's donkey could see the angel. Balaam couldn't see the angel. So the donkey, it just ran through the vineyard one time and he got off and beat the donkey and then he got it back on the path and this time it crushed his foot against the wall and he beat the donkey and finally the third time the donkey, there was nowhere to go and he could see this angel and this donkey just fell down underneath him and Balaam got so mad, he was just beating this donkey And the Lord opened up the mouth of the donkey in verse uh, 29. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass and he said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in my hand for now would I kill thee. You know, not only was the donkey talking to Balaam, but Balaam was carrying on a conversation. (laughs) I think I would figure something is weird here, amen, but he was talking back to it. He says, I would, there was a sword in my hand, I'd kill you. And the ass began to explain to him, says, I've been a, your faithful donkey ever since I was a little tiny, I've never done this. And he just began to say, it's unjustified what you're doing. And finally, Balaam looked around and then he saw the angel. And this angel said, if it hadn't been for your ass that had turned aside these three times, I'd have already killed you. (laughs) Amen. This is amazing. And so Balaam says, if I've offended you, I'll go back. I suppose he had offended him since he was trying to kill him. Amen. Pretty good indication. And the angel said, no, I'm going to let you go, but you only speak the word that I tell you to speak. And so Balaam went with these servants. He appeared unto Balak. And in the 23rd chapter, um, or excuse me, it starts right here in the 22nd chapter. No, it starts in the 23rd chapter. In the 20, anyway, there's three times that Balak offered sacrifices. He took seven animals and he sacrificed them and he went to inquire and see if God would give him freedom to curse the Israelites. The very first time he did it, they were up up on Mount Nebo and he could see all of the Israelites. There was over three million Israelites plus all of their cattle and all of their flocks. It was huge. And Balak offered these sacrifices. He went... And he asked God if he could curse the Israelites. And anyway, he came back and instead of cursing them, he blessed them because that's what God inspired him to do. And he blessed the Israelites. And Balak got so mad, he clapped his hands together, smote his hands. And he says, I hired you to curse the Israelites. And instead you came and blessed them. And he finally said, well, it's because you can see the whole nation of Israel at one time. You've just been overwhelmed with their numbers. He says, come to a different place. And he could only see just a small portion of them. The mountains were hiding the view. And so he offered seven more sacrifices. And he went and inquired of the Lord. And when he came back, he gave a powerful prophecy. I'm going to read part of that. And... um, ...blessed the Israelites again. And Balak got so angry, he says, "...all right, I'm going to give you one last chance." And he went to another place, and he offered seven more animals. And this time, Balaam finally figured out God wasn't going to change. He didn't even go and ask God if he could say something different. He just came back. And in the 24th chapter, he began to prophesy over Israel... ...that there was none among the nations like them... And that the king was in them and he prophesied about Shiloh talking about the Messiah. He prophesied the coming of the Messiah and that all nations were going to be blessed through the nation of Israel. You know what? All of these things were great. There was nothing wrong up to this point. Before I get to my next point, let me just read a portion of this to you in the 23rd chapter of the book of Numbers. Balaam came back from inquiring of the Lord in verse 17, Numbers 23:17, and when he came to him, this is when Balaam came back to Balak, he stood by his burnt offering, and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said unto him, What hath the Lord spoken? And he took up this parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear, and hear, hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent hath he said and shall he not do it or hath he spoken and shall he not bring it to pass man that's awesome God had blessed the Israelites and God isn't a man that he should lie the point I want you to get out of this is that once God speaks a blessing over you God will never repent he will never change it and some people think well I know that God's blessed me, but I haven't cooperated and I don't deserve it. Look at this down here in the next verse. It says in verse uh, 20, 20, Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. The man who had the greatest reputation for his words coming to pass could not overcome the blessing that God had spoken. And in verse 21, He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen Perverseness in Israel. The Lord is God is with him, and the shout of a king is among him. And uh, anyway, verse twenty-three says, "Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to his time, to this time it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, what God hath wrought." Boy, these are awesome words. But notice down there, he said that God hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. Now this, isn't, was, this wasn't because iniquity and perverseness didn't exist. They did. In the 32nd chapter of Exodus, God was talking to Moses, and God got so mad at them over offering this uh, sacrifice, making this calf of gold, and making sacrifices to it, that God wanted to wipe out all of the Israelites and start over with... Uh, uh, Moses and make a brand new nation. God knew that they were sinners. God got mad at them. That's the reason they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Israelites sinned. But when it came to the blessings of God, here's the thing you've got to get. The blessing of God is not dependent upon your holiness, whether or not you are worthy of it. Abraham was blessed by God, and Abraham wasn't the greatest man around. Abraham lied about his wife twice and was willing to let other men take him. Matter of fact, she went into the harem of other uh, kings because Abraham was chicken and wouldn't stand up for his wife and afraid somebody would kill him to get to his wife. She was so beautiful. The first time that happened, she was in her 70s. The second time, he was afraid somebody was going to take her because she was so beautiful. She was in her 90s. Boy, that woman was blessed. (laughs) But Abraham, you know what? Even though he didn't do things right and he wasn't the holiest man, he believed God and he believed the promise that he was blessed. And because of it, God didn't rebuke him for what he did. He rebuked the kings. And he told that king, you are but a dead man for that man's wife. And the king said, I didn't know he was that... She was that man's wife. He said, she was my sister. And God said, I know you, you weren't guilty. That's the reason I've warned you. But if you don't turn her back over to her husband, I'm going to kill you and everybody in your house. You know why? Because God had said in Genesis chapter 12, I will bless him that blesses you and curse him that curses you. God put a blessing on Abraham. And even though he wasn't holy and didn't always deserve it, once the blessing is given, it cannot be reversed. God doesn't give the blessing based on your goodness or worthiness. Religion is basically taking the power out of the blessing because we say we've got to be worthy of it. No, you aren't worthy of it. It's not because you're worthy. It's because God is holy and God said this. And once God has spoken a blessing over you, you are blessed regardless of how good or bad you are. It's just a matter of will you believe it. The only thing that can stop the blessing of God is your unbelief, not your sin, not your unworthiness. Man, that is one powerful truth. And so Balaam was rebuked by the donkey. But you know what? This isn't the sin that the Bible speaks about Balaam committing. Up until this time, Balaam hadn't really messed up. Most people don't understand this. But look over in Revelation chapter 2. Keep your finger here because we're coming back. But look in Revelation chapter 2. The Lord is warning the angel or the pastor of the church here. And here's what he said in Revelation chapter 2 in verse 14. He says, but I have a few things against thee because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak. To cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. This is what Balaam's sin was. He taught Balak to get the Israelites to eat the meat that had been sacrificed unto idols to participate in demon worship and commit fornication with the women of Moab. Where did he do that? Go back over here to Numbers chapter 24. The story of Balaam ends right here in Numbers chapter 24. And in verse 25 it says, And Balaam rose up and went and returned to his place, and Balak also went his way. In other words, Balak and Balaam parted company because Balaam just Blessed the Israelites instead of cursed them. But then look in chapter 25, the next verse. It says in verse 1, And the Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredoms with the daughters of Moab, and they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and people did eat and bowed down to their gods. Right here it doesn't make the connection, but in Revelation chapter 2 verse 14 it was through the counsel of Balaam that this happened. You know what Balaam basically did? Balaam wanted the reward of iniquity. He was tempted by it, but he, could, he was afraid of God and he wouldn't go ahead and curse the Israelites. But what he did was tell Balak, he says, if you're going to ever overcome this blessing that is placed upon the Israelites, you're going to have to get them to stop it themselves. They will have to renounce their faith They will have to reject the covenant. You cannot do it. So I'm sure Balak said, well, how would I do that? Get them to come to your sacrifices. Use the women to entice the men and get them to commit whoredom with all of the daughters of Moab and participate in these demon celebrations and renounce their faith in God. That's the only way that you can stop the blessing. Look over in the 31st chapter of the book of Numbers. In Numbers chapter 31, Moses commanded the Israelites to go kill all of the Midianites. And there's a history behind this, but the Midianites treated the Israelites very badly when they came out of Egypt. And tormented them when they were weak and stuff. And so here it is nearly 40 years later, and God told Moses, now go destroy the Midianites. Wipe them out, men, women, and children. And you know, a lot of people in our day and time think, well, that's really brutal. Man, how could a loving God do this? you got to remember this is before the new birth. This is before the new covenant. People couldn't be born again. People couldn't be delivered of demons. Once you got demons, it was like a cancer. And you couldn't be delivered because they weren't born again. They didn't have the power of God the way that we do. And these people actually offered their children in sacrifice unto idols. They dedicated their children to demons Bestiality was the normal thing. They were having sex with their animals. That was normal. And so, because the people couldn't be born again, couldn't be changed, it was like a cancer. The only way you could get rid of this demonic influence in the earth was just to kill them. That's the only way that those demons could stop operating. And so, God often said, Kill them, men, women, and children. And this is the instruction He gave to go into the Midianites. And so the people went out and fought and they overcame the Midianites. But look at this, in verse 11, it says, and they took all of the spoil and the prey, both of men and of beasts. And they brought the captives and the prey and the spoil unto Moses and unto Eliezer the priest and unto the congregation of the children of Israel into the camp of the plains of Moab which are by Jordan near Jericho. And Moses and Eliezer the priest and all the princes of the congregation went forth to meet them without the camp. And Moses was wroth with the officers of the host and the captains over thousands and captains over hundreds, which came from the battle. And Moses said unto them, Have ye saved all the women alive? Behold these, speaking of the Midianitish women or Moab women, These caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord in a matter of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. So Moses is saying the same thing that was said over there in Revelation 2.14. What Balaam did was tell Balak, you cannot overcome this blessing. The only thing you can do is get them To stop it, they are the only people that can stop the blessing of God. Once God has spoken it, He will never take it back. It is not based on a person's performance. The only thing that activates or deactivates the blessing of God is unbelief and faith. That's the only issue. Man, this is powerful. And brothers and sisters, I'm saying that God has spoken over you, that you would be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. No plague would ever come nigh your dwelling, that there is no such thing as recession. It doesn't matter. In a year of famine, Isaac, who was the blessed of the Lord, sowed seed in a year of famine and reaped a hundredfold in a drought year because he was blessed. And all of the other people had gone down to Egypt had gone the way of the world down where they irrigated their crops and they forsook their land and stuff because they didn't have uh, water. And Isaac didn't own any of the land. He sowed in the fields of these people who had deserted their own land and went to Egypt and reaped a hundredfold return and became a super wealthy man on the land that other people had that the only difference was Isaac knew he was blessed and he sowed and gave even in a year of famine. <clears throat> you know, if you believe that you're blessed, it doesn't matter if there's a recession going on, that doesn't affect you. Some of you, you've been following me up until this point and all of a sudden now there, well, you don't understand it's affected everybody down here. We got an oil economy. It doesn't matter. God will bless you. They're going to buy somebody's product. Somebody's got to have the service. You can bring the, all of the people who are taking advantage of all of the other businesses and bring them to you. Somebody said, well, that seems a little selfish. No. Anybody who believes in the blessing can do the same thing. they got the same opportunity you do. Just go to speaking the blessing of God over yourself and don't begrudge anybody else. Let all of the other believers speak the blessing of God over their business. But, man, you start blessing your business, you'll prosper. It doesn't matter if it's a recession. It doesn't matter what the bank has to say. It doesn't matter what the industry is doing. You can prosper. You are blessed. Nothing can overturn the blessing except your unbelief. And sad to say, Satan has got us to stop the blessing because we say, well, I'm only human, I'm just a man. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking of you. That's a sorry song. That's a curse song. I'm not only human. I'm not just a man. One third of me is wall to wall Holy Ghost. I have the power of God. I have the blessing of God on me. And I can do anything and everything that God tells me to do. There is a supernatural anointing on it. And all I got to do is believe it and speak it and go to voice activating the blessing. I tell you, there's power in your body to change your body. There's power in your mouth that will speak health over you. And I know that there's many people that I just don't believe you can talk yourself out of cancer. That's the reason it doesn't work for you. I don't believe that I can speak blessing over me when everybody else is suffering. That's the reason it doesn't work for you because you have through unbelief voided the blessing of God. But you ought to go back and read this about Balaam, the greatest speaker of his day, the person that whatever he said came to pass and he said, God has blessed and I cannot reverse it. God is not a man that he should lie neither the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he will do it. If he's spoken it, it will come to pass. And God has said by his stripes, you were healed. And there's power in that blessing to overcome any sickness, any disease, any problem that you could possibly have. The only thing that's keeping it from working is our unbelief. We've got to start believing in the power of a blessing. We've got to go to speaking the word of God over ourselves and saying what God's word says. And many people think, well, I'd be a hypocrite if I said that I'm healed when the truth is I don't feel healed. It just depends who you consider to be the real you. Do you consider this physical body and emotional part to be the real you? Or do you see yourself in Christ Jesus? You're a new creature. And old things have passed away, all things have become new. If you don't understand what I'm saying right here, you ought to get my teaching on spirit, soul, and body and find out that when you got born again, you became a totally brand new person in the spirit. You are a new person. And if you're saying, but I'd be a hypocrite to say I'm here when my body feels sick, that shows that your identity is not in Christ. You are seeing yourself in the natural, in the carnal realm. You don't see yourself in Christ, and that's the problem. But in Christ, you are healed. In Christ, you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. In Christ, you have the ability to tell a person, go catch the first fish and take the the money out of their mouth and pay our taxes with that. Jesus did that. Everything that Jesus can do, you can do. You have this power and you have this ability right here in your mouth. But it's got to be mixed with faith. You know, there was many of you don't have this perspective, but 20-something years, 20-30 years ago in the body of Christ, there was a lot of teaching on exactly what I'm talking about, the confession, the power of words. But people got offended because they would come out and say things like, if you say, this tickles me to death, you're going to fall over dead because you just released death out of your mouth. And you know what? That was extreme because the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, with the heart... Man believes and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You not only have to confess it with your mouth, you have to believe it with your heart. The only thing that keeps the stupid words we say from just coming to pass like that is that we don't mean them. And if you don't mean it, it voids it. And so because of this, there were people that, you know, somebody would say something like, oh man, I just tickles me to death that you're here. And people would say, oh, in the name of Jesus, don't say that you're going to fall over dead. And people overreacted. And because of this, people began to talk about extremes and they basically backed off of this truth because it was presented out of balance and it was extreme. But I'm telling you that there is a core truth here that there is power in your words And if you will believe the words that you speak, you have the ability to raise the dead with the words that you speak. You know, when our son died and we were told that he was dead, we immediately spoke and said, in the name of Jesus, we believe he's coming back to life. But it took us an hour and 15 minutes to get up and get into Colorado Springs. This is back before we had cell phones. We couldn't... um, get an update, didn't know what was going on. And we begin to have doubts and fears like anybody would if your son had been dead for four hours. But you know, praise God, we had enough wisdom to know. You know, the scripture says in Matthew chapter six, those verses that I was talking about where it talks about don't take any thought for where your life, what you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep, what you're clothed with. It says, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What we... And I have taken just the first part of that verse where it says, take no thought saying. This is how thoughts become strongholds in your life is when you begin to speak them. Kenneth Hagin used to say, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from nesting in your hair and making a nest. You can't necessarily keep a negative thought from coming. If somebody tells you that your son is dead, You may have some thoughts of grief and sorrow and why did this happen, but you don't have to say them and give them power by your words. So praise God, Jamie and I knew these truths, and we refused to speak any of the fear, any of the grief, any of the hurt that we felt. And we never spoke it. Matter of fact, I began to start having so many thoughts and emotions come that I knew I had to use my words to overcome those things. And so I started speaking out loud. God, you did not kill my son. You are not responsible for this. I am not upset at you. You're a good God. Thank you for the great things that you've done. I just began to start praising God out loud and worshiping God. You know, if you talk loud enough, your brain has to listen to what you're saying. You can literally control your thoughts. And I just started praising God. And as soon as I started praising God, I remembered prophecies that were given in Ireland and in California by people that didn't even know that I had children. And they said, you've got two boys, told me everything and said the elder, I mean, the younger is going to turn to the Lord and serve the Lord first and prophesied things that there was no way they could have known. I knew it was God. And as I started praising God, I had these prophecies come back to my remembrance. The Bible says you wore a good warfare by the prophecies which are gone before. And I said, man, if those things were from God, which I knew they were, I said, they haven't come to pass yet. This boy's got to live. Now I had already spoken my faith and I was believing God. But when I saw that it's just like a gift of faith rose up on the inside of me. And I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that Peter was going to live. And I I told Jamie, I said, this is going to be the greatest miracle we've ever seen. And you know what? When we got in, my oldest son Joshua came running out and he said, Dad, I don't know what happened, but five or ten minutes after I called you, Peter just sat up and started talking. Been dead for nearly five hours. He was stripped naked in a, on, in a, on a slab with a toe tag on in the morgue. And he sat up and started talking. And there was no brain damage, no more than before. <laughs> it was awesome. And within the next year, he had a little girl and we've got a granddaughter that we wouldn't have had if we hadn't have known the power of words if we would have spoken forth our fear and engaged and vented our emotions, psychology today is telling people, you can't suppress these feelings. You got to vent it, let it all out. Just speak death, curse yourself, tell how bad everything is. God forbid, that's the worst thing you can do. I'm not telling you to just let them seethe below the surface, but get rid of them. Some things you need to kill and bury. And start speaking faith. Don't vent. Don't speak your doubt and unbelief. Speak your faith. Amen. I know some, Well, I've never heard it this way, obviously. But I'm telling you, we have been blessed. Satan cannot reverse it. The greatest soothsayer of the day cannot overcome what God has spoken about you. It's not based on your performance. Even if you haven't done everything right, if you believe not yet, He abides faithfully, cannot deny Himself. 1 Timothy chapter 2. God is not going to reject you. The only thing that will stop the blessing of God in your life is you. Your unbelief. And in a way, some people think, well, this is condemning me. Boy, it blesses me. It blesses me to find out I'm the problem because if I'm the problem, I can change me. Yes, sir. If you're my problem, I can't change you. And this is what so many people are trying to do. Would you please pray that God will change this, that nobody will say anything bad about me, that this person will bless me, this person will give me a promotion. Pray that they will do this. I tell you, you're spitting in the wind trying to change people. The only person you have 100% authority over is yourself. Your authority ends at the end of your nose. It is a tremendous blessing to find out you mean it's my fault that I'm not walking in the blessing of God? Hallelujah because I can change me. Thank you Jesus. That's great news. It's like when you rub a cat the wrong way. You know you go against the grain and all of their hair stands up. You know how to solve that problem you Just turn the cat around and keep rubbing and it'll all go to laying down. If what I said rubs you the wrong way, repent, turn around and this will go to feeling good. Amen. I'm telling you brothers and sisters, if you are born again, baptized in the Holy ghost, You've got everything you need to succeed. But you've got to find out what your rights and privileges are. You've got to believe that God cannot lie. And he has spoken these things and he will not repent. He will not behold iniquity in you. He won't keep the blessing from coming. And you've got to stir yourself up and start speaking the word. And you've got to get to where you don't say things that you don't mean. Don't tell people you're going to do this and not do it. The Bible says that a godly man will swear to his own hurt and change not. Even if you've said things that aren't the smartest thing to say, keep your word, honor your word. If you can't make a payment, don't go three weeks until they run you down and catch you. Go to them and say, you know what, I I don't have the money, but I give you my word, I will pay my bills. I'm doing everything I can. I actually told a person one time that my wife's blood's worth $120 an ounce. I'll, I'll pay you if I have to draw it in blood. It's true. She's got, she's got negative blood. Her blood's more expensive than mine. But man, I just, I guarantee you, I'm going to keep my word. If I tell somebody I'm going to do something, I will do it. And when you start living your life that way, you know what? Your heart goes to believing that, you know what? They believe it. And then when you say, in the name of Jesus, body, you're healed. Your, your body will go, yeah, I bet I bet he believes this. And it'll start recovering and it'll start getting well. But if you don't keep your word, you'll say, body, in the name of Jesus, you're healed. Pain, leave me. And your body will say, who are you to tell me anything? I tell you when to eat, what to eat, how often to eat. It's been 20 years since you told me to do anything. And your body will just do what it wants to do. But you got to get to where you discipline yourself. You do what you say. You believe in the power of words. You take the promises, you find them, and you start speaking these blessings over you. Ephesians 1, 3. I am blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to be blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. You go to speaking over yourself and you say it until you believe it. I guarantee you, brothers and sisters, if you can believe this, all things are possible to him that believes. This is powerful stuff. You're the only one that can stop the power of God. And that's the reason Satan is fighting you so hard with so much unbelief. We live in a culture of unbelief. American culture. American religious culture is a culture of unbelief. It is against the promises of God. There's good churches. I'm not against church. There are good churches. You need to be in a good church. But there are more bad churches than there are good churches. You need to be a little discriminating. You need to find somebody that's preaching the word of God and quit giving your money to these people that are propagating mainstream religion. And start giving your money to people that are preaching the gospel and doing something and changing lives. Amen. That's awesome. I tell you what, I believe people's faith has risen in here today. I believe if somebody are ready to believe, God. Thank you Jesus. Father, we love you and we receive the word of God. Father, I believe that the Holy Spirit is here to quicken and bear witness to these things and encourage people to believe and to speak the word of God. Father, thank you that you have set it up. You have blessed us with all spiritual blessings and thank you that nobody, the devil himself, can stop the blessing of God in our life. The only thing that has stopped it and kept us from experiencing your best is our own mouth, our own unbelief. And Father, we repent of it. And Father, we want to speak your word. We want a revelation of the Word of God, Father, that we would know what is rightfully ours and that we would begin to speak these truths over us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just believe that your Holy Spirit is present in this room today to open up our understanding, to start using our tongue to release your power. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You know what I want to do right now? I want to ask everybody to stand and I'm just going to start praying and speaking for some of the blessings of God over us. And I want you to use your mouth as I lead us in prayer. And I want you to start using your words to counter the negative things, the doubt and the unbelief. And you start blessing yourself instead of cursing yourself. And I believe that this is going to release the power of God in you. Amen. We're all putting ourselves in agreement. Father, right now, we just bless and curse not. We speak that we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We are never under the circumstances again in the name of Jesus. No plague will ever come nigh our dwelling. We walk in supernatural, divine health. Any germ, any sickness, that touches our body has to die in the name of Jesus. Thank you that we have new blood flowing in our veins and we are not under the curse of our family and previous sickness and genetic diseases. Thank you that we are healthy, we are blessed. And not only us but our children don't have any curses passing on to them. We cancel all curses. We speak the blessing of God over us. Thank you, Father, that we are plenteous in goods, that you bless our basket and our store. You not only bless our wallet, but you bless our savings account. Thank you that we begin to accumulate wealth so that we can establish your covenant here in this earth. Thank you that everything we have set our hand unto is blessed, it's prospering. We are meditating in the word day and night and we will make our way prosperous and we will have good success. Thank you that you supply our need according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It's not based on the U.S. economy. It's not based on the local economy. Houston economy or any industry. Thank you that our needs come straight from the throne of God and that we are blessed. And Father, we have an abundance so that we can abound unto every good work. We don't just say it, we believe it to the point that we will literally take our money and give like we believe the Word of God is true. Give to a degree that if you don't come through that we couldn't make it because we trust you father we believe we are blessed we bless you we give we honor you we speak that we can do all things through christ who strengthens us that we have all wisdom all prudence we are able to abound in every good work we know exactly what to do Thank you, Father, that we are blessed, 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 blessed. Amen. We just speak that we are blessed. And we're leaving here and we are blessed to be a blessing. Amen. We are going to bless other people in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Let's praise God like you really believe you are blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Man, if you can keep yourself right where you are right now, you can see miracles happen. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? Praise.